Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 20. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to him, They've taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Those of you who have been journeying to this Easter Sunday at Gloria Day by worshiping with us this year throughout Lent have learned that on the church calendar this particular year, our storytelling guide has been the Gospel of John. John, in his Gospel, we've learned, tells quite a few stories that are found only in John's Gospel. And John, also those stories we've learned are often quite long with much attention to detail. And those details we've often learned when John is the storyteller, those details have meaning. And so on the second Sunday, we met a religious leader and seemingly all around bright guy named Nicodemus who came to Jesus and he came, John mentions, at night. Night, we discovered, darkness in John's Gospel is oft symbolic of confusion and unbelief. 
And so even though Nicodemus is seemingly a bright guy, and even though it is to him that Jesus speaks what is arguably the most well-known verse in the New Testament, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Nicodemus just couldn't get it, couldn't wrap his head around it. And so it, not only did he leave, come to Jesus with questions and confusion and unbelief, after their conversation he left, still questioning and still confused and not sure anymore what the heck he believed, which John absolutely means to make clear in his story's detail that Nicodemus came and left at night. He came and left in the dark. The very next chapter we met an unnamed Samaritan woman at a well outside a Samaritan town and he met her, Jesus tells us, at noon. The brightest time of day and while we that Sunday discussed a number of pieces of meaning that were there to be teased out from the fact that she came to the well at noon by herself in the heat of day rather than with others in the cooler times of the day. One detail, detail John clears intent, clearly and intently teased out for us is the fact that though she, like Nicodemus, had questions of Jesus, by the time their conversation was done she wasn't just a believer. She was an evangelist running back to town to tell her neighbors that she just met the Messiah and they should come meet him too. And this all happened, says John, in the middle of the day. And we learned that in John's world view, daylight, whenever faith is birthed or born, it's daylight. For whenever faith is birthed or born, there is light shining. And you, most of you may or may not have ever thought about that, but nevertheless, you already knew that. Because I'm thinking all of us, you all can right now picture the faces of people who in your life has shone with light for your soul. And in more than a few cases, one of the lights they've shown in your life with was the light, the bright light of the bright depth of their faith. Then the next week came John 9, and a man who'd been blind from birth, and Jesus healed him, and now he could see. And one thing, of course, he could see was the light. And he came to believe that Jesus was the promised Messiah. Jesus had healed him, however, on the Sabbath, which the religious viewed as an egregious violation of their religious rules. And so they told him there was no way in God's earth that he could be the Messiah because the Messiah, they said, more than he would do anything, they said, would obey all of their religious rules, they said. They, Jesus said, were blind unable to see the light, unable to step out of the darkness into the light of the realization that the greatest God thing in the world isn't following every single religious rule, but rather loving, even when sometimes you might have to break a rule or three to do that. 
Just a very short time after that, Jesus washed, was with his disciples in an upper room that evening before he would be crucified, and he washed his disciples' feet, wanting them to know the light of the truth that the greatest people in the world aren't the ones demanding that others serve them or bow down to them, but rather those who kneel down and reach out in service to the needs of others, especially those most in need. He then, in almost the same breath and in a radical um, turn in the storyline, told them that one of them was going to betray him. He then gave them all bread and wine, but when he gave it to Judas, he said to him quietly, what you must do, do quickly. And Judas ran from the room to find those to whom he would betray Jesus, at which point John adds, and it was night. John also tells us that Peter, just a few times, a few hours later, would three times deny that he even knew who Jesus was, much less believe in him, and he would confess his unfaith those three times, says John, before the cock crowed, which is to say, well, it was still night, still dark. Dark in John's telling with the absence of not just sunlight, but the absence of faith light. Now I told you all that to tell you this. Easter, Jesus rising from the dead. We often like to think of it as a sunrise event, but that's actually not accurate. Because by the time the sun rose, Easter had already happened. And when did it happen? Sometime during the night. Easter happened, in other words, in the dark. Jesus rose, in other words, not only with no sun shining brightly upon him, but also with no faith to be found anyone in anyone anywhere waiting expectantly for him. Easter, in other words, says John, Jesus' resurrection from the dead, says John, was not an event birthed by the faithful, for there weren't any of those. There wasn't a believer anywhere in the world at that nighttime moment when death, rather than taking a life, yielded to life. Easter wasn't birthed by the faithful. Easter is what birthed the faith. And so in John's telling, Mary Magdalene does go out to the tomb, but she does so, mentions John, uh, in an absolutely meaningful detail. She goes there while it is still dark. And she found the emptied tomb and made a reasonable assumption to assume if the highest power we have when it comes to grasping truth is reason, that being the assumption that somebody had taken the body. She's seen the empty tomb, in other words, but there's not yet faith. It is, in other words, in John's worldview, still dark. She ran and told Peter and John, who then ran to see what the heck she was talking about. And they saw the empty tomb and the empty strips of cloth that we know, because John said this earlier, we know these were cloths that he had been wrapped in before being laid in the tomb. They, of course, because John also had told us that, had not been there then. Which is maybe why they did not seem to connect the dots. Because while John does say they believed, what seems clear from the context is that what they believed is that Mary had told them the truth. 
the tomb was empty. So they went home not really believing anything any deeper than that. Which is to say, as John does say, it's still dark. Mary stayed and looked in the tomb again and she saw two angels, although it seems clear that she didn't know she was seeing angels, which isn't shocking because scripture elsewhere says people see angels all the time without realizing that. And I'm of the inclination to believe that that's true. She told them, the angels, what she told the disciples, somebody took his body. John does not mention whether or not the angels smiled knowing smiles when she told them this. She turned and then saw through her now tear-blurred eyes someone whom she assumed was the gardener. So she asked him if he'd been the one to move the body, which technically speaking I guess he actually had, right? But this wasn't the gardener. This was the son of the gardener of Eden, who now, and I am sure he's smiling, who now said to her gently one word, her name, Mary. And she heard, and she saw, and she knew, and she believed, and it was now no longer night. It was day, Easter day brightly lit with Easter light and the light was Easter's dawn not only before her eyes but also upon and within her soul and as it dawned as light scattered the darkness grief became joy despair became hope and fear became peace the Christian faith did not create the resurrection the resurrection created the faith and the resurrection that did that faith creating happened in the dark. Dark was the world Jesus was born in. Dark was the world Jesus died in. Dark was the world Jesus was raised from the dead in. And dark was the world Mary's Easter began in. Until he came to her, to her, in her dark, and she realized that hers was the world. Jesus Christ was alive in. And faith was born. And light, his light become her light, shone in the dark as she then did what he told her to do, ran to the others, huddled still behind locked doors, where even though it was Easter, it was dark still. With the darkness of grief, wrapped in fear, wrapped in despair. And she said to them, I've seen the Lord. Which takes us to today and our world these days and our realization most days that even when like today the sun is shining brightly and it is Easter morning and nevertheless a lot of times and in a lot of ways, a lot of days anymore can sure seem dark out, can it? Sometimes, sometimes the dark feels like it's trying to gain. Sometimes it feels like maybe it's actually succeeded in gaining purchase in our hearts. 
and we get discouraged sometimes, as within wonder sometimes, if maybe the darkness might be winning. Brothers and sisters in Christ, of course it's dark out sometimes, for this is a sin-broken world we live in, but darkness isn't something to fear, for it is to the darkness He comes. It is to your darkness He comes. It is to you He comes here, now, today, every day, to say your name, to say, I love you, to hell and back. I love you to death and back. I love you with love neither death nor the devil nor the dark can do a damned thing to snuff. Though God knows they've all tried and in this world we'll keep trying. Easter's message is not that there's no dark. Easter's message in the dark is that love wins. Go, he says to you. Go tell and go be my love, which is not only for you, but also for my world, including and especially for those still huddled behind their fears. And in doing so, in telling and being my love, you will shine in the dark. As in every single way in which you love, big ways maybe once in a while, but small ways far, far and away most of the time, you will give my world bright glimpses of the forever that I do hold in my hands. And I hold you in those same hands. Amen.